Welcome to a brand new episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. I'm Pat. And I'm Andy. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. We're back again. I think this is the earliest we have ever recorded. The earliest we've ever recorded. It's quite early, and it's cold outside too. Maybe it it's is like, cold outside. What zero degrees or something like that? Uh, wind chill of twenty one. below. Twenty below. But we got our hot coffees in hand. Hot coffee. Eddie was early today and brought coffee Look for everybody. That. Look at that! Right <laughs> down. So if you were listening to last episode, he has totally redeemed himself. Yes, he has. I thought about redeeming myself by coming in 40 minutes early, but that's not good. <laughs> Banging on windows. Kick, 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 kick. You could have gotten in bed and spooned with me because uh, exactly. I was still in bed at that point. <laughs> exactly. Got my breath on your ear. And, like, uh, Andy still has his Bigfoot PJs on. Hey, I, I'm, I'm paranormal through and through. I have my paranormal dad's <laughs> shirt. I have my Bigfoot pajama pants and my Bigfoot slippers on. Andy is representing hardcore right now, literally. Like, There's no doubt. If you were to come to his house and just look around, even on the outside alone... In the backyard, particularly. It's like, this guy You'd likes say, Bigfoot. what's up with this guy? <laughs> this guy has issues. You know what? He's a fun time. You know that much. <laughs> this guy has issues. <laughs> He's like, B- believe it or not, I pay my bills. I do. I'm a, I'm a semi-functioning adult, so <laughs> leave me alone. But we had a, a coffee explosion earlier. Hopefully our equipment works good. We had a little mishap. Pat got his big old uh, Sasquatch hands around the coffee cup, and the lid popped off. Yeah, yep. we wasted no time in pouring coffee all over our recorder, so uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll get this episode finished before it dies. <laughs> <laughs> but it smells like delicious coffee, so that's okay. <laughs> it smells like French toast. Well, speaking of French toast, <laughs> let's go on to recent sightings. <laughs> So, um, New Year, and we just got a new report from the government about UFOs. Yeah. So, apparently this is like a a yearly thing. They come out with a report on, uh, you know, what they call UAPs now. Yeah. Unidentified aerial phenomena. But there's a new report out that says hundreds more UFO sightings uh, are included in this this year's report versus what came out last year. So last year was for 2021. Yep. This year is for 2022. Yep. And um, last year they had uh, it, it kind of goes since the 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 rate of the report or or the time frame that they follow is from 2004 to now. Yeah. Which is. Kind weird. Of weird. What a weird arbitrary like date to pick. But last year in 2021, they said since 2004 we had had 144 sightings, official official, official. sightings that they'll call of official, UFOs yeah. slash UAPs. This year, 510. Yeah. Now, now the way this works is they've come up with there's like an additional 366 reports this year, and but. A lot of those could have taken place as early as 2004. They've just went ahead and either declassified something or went ahead and said, yes, this is officially a UAP or a UFO. Yeah. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean there were 366 new reports in the past year. Right. Well, and I have a theory, mathematical equation. Uh, multiply that number times 10. Yeah. Because how many people do we know... Excuse me. How many people do we personally know who have seen a UFO but didn't officially report it? Right. You've seen one, Eddie. Yeah. Did you report it? No. Yeah, I've seen one. I didn't report it. Right. And and this like official the description is interesting too. And I know that within that 
they try to, and this is where we get into this whole like Project Blue Book thing, where it's like, well, of course, there's more UFO sightings because now people are all like hyper aware of it, and right. anything is a UFO. And I, I think that report, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but weren't they saying like most of these sightings are being able to be dismissed as like weather balloons, birds, as and, birds, uh, drones, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the the interesting thing is though, um, the the U.S official told CBS News that none of the incidents have yet been definitively linked to China, Russia, or any other country. Yeah. So there there was, uh, I guess, one recent incident over off the West Coast where there was a uh, Chinese merchant fishing vessel, and um, U.S. intelligence was unable to directly link some drones or some UAPs in that area uh, to the vessels, so but apparently China still remains a suspect in that that particular case. I think China and Russia are going to be uh, less and less uh, of a suspect in the decades to come when it comes yeah. to aerial phenomena. Russia has their hands full with the war at the yeah. moment. China's entire economy is on the collapse. Um, so not that they don't have aircraft; it's just that. I mean, they're not they're not going to be developing new technologies that are cutting edge anytime soon. No, and that's that's the thing too that was uh, coming out with this whole like Russia uh, conf- conflict, the war, uh, and then everything else. And yes, China too, where we've we the U.S. has discovered that like these superpowers don't have the technology that we thought that they did. Right. That these things aren't as sophisticated and like. You know, we're like, oh, okay, cool. And so once again, we're back to this thing of like, you're seeing these things that are defying physics as we know it, you know, and the knee jerk, easy dismission is like, oh, it's just something China came up with. Yeah, it defies physics, whatever. Anyway, sports. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and I'm not knocking sports, but it's just like the, the desire to return to baseline is so strong. I remember like post COVID driving home, not to get political, but whatever, driving home in traffic just stuck in traffic and i'm like this is what we were missing (laughs) we missed this (laughs) like i hate this this is the worst uh so yeah like it's it's crazy that that with this new report how it's like yeah there's these cases reported uh, and you know birds like birds like we know what birds look like dude like it wouldn't get as far as an actual report if it was just a bird kind of thing well because like we always say for the most part, you can trust your senses. Yeah. Your eyes have seen a bird thousands, millions of times over the course of your Absolutely. life. You know what a bird looks like. It's not right. the same as an air, aircraft that can fly at supersonic speeds. So these reports, Pat, if, if we can uh, kind of uh, compare them to a progress report, like a school report card, right. we're getting an A this year. We did yeah. pretty good with UFO sightings, yeah. huh? Yeah, and I think it's just kind of become, as you've seen in the news, it's become more... Uh, more of an option for like people in the military to come forward and, and report things that weird things that they've seen. You know, it's not such so taboo anymore. You know, I'm sure there's still something kind of associated with it. I'm sure a lot of these guys still get a lot of ribbing when you know they come forward with. But but when you've got video evidence like we've seen in the past year, it's hard to dispute that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a good point because. Even um, a decade or two ago, it was completely taboo for a pilot to report if he saw something odd in the sky. Right. I mean, you'd lose that your job. Be, now yeah, they're encouraging them to yeah, report it. Yeah, complete 180. It, it, uh, it takes that brave view, and it takes that like just that persistent like smashing against the wall to be able to get people to pay attention to, frankly, anything. I mean, you think about yeah. any, any change that's come about in our, our history, it's been because someone's been willing to kind of just be the weird one you know but that consistent weird one and it's like even like people like i mean coming back to like uh people who are highly respected and they say one thing off off of the radar one thing that challenges the the system and they're like well maybe he made it up and it's like you're it's crazy like it's just uh boggles the mind in that sense the 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 drive to throw away things that that scare us um, I do think back to like the Admiral Byrd story where he's like, yeah, impeccable military career, respected amongst his peers and friends and family. And he's like, yeah, man, I was abducted by a secret civilization that lives under the Antarctic. And they're like, 
he's he's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pack of garbage. Well, you also think about that JAL flight in Alaska where yeah. the, where the guy came forward, the commercial airline pilot, former military pilot, I believe. Yeah. And you know he his career really uh, took a beating after he came forward and and reported what seemed to be a pretty well documented UFO. You yeah. Know, they even had some radar. Uh, evidence and and eyewitnesses from another plane. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and that particular one was like massive. I mean, that was like four football fields long yeah. or something oh, yeah. crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, even recently, e- even with the 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 new new, but the 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 whole barrage of uh, evidence that came out via that Jeremy Corbell and the Go Fast and the what's the other one that we saw Tic Tac the Tic Tac and all these these videos that were like. Multiple data sources, you know, like we said, video, infrared, visual, all these things. There's people, even today, if you look, who are still saying that's not what they thought they saw. Like they're still trying to bring it down and shoot mm-hmm. it down. And and it, it 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 really does. When you start having those discussions, you're like, you do have an agenda. This isn't about truth. This isn't about like I'm just trying to be real. No, if you were real, you would admit that these things are crazy and they challenge our understanding of things it's just this this drive to just just pay your taxes dude and and buy more stuff <laughs> if, if, if you ever uh i mean if there, there's one show on prime right now called unacknowledged have you huh? guys seen this huh? movie no this this movie will completely blow your mind when it comes to ufos ufo reporting and the government's involvement with uh you know what what do they know what don't they know about UFOs? Uh, highly recommend. Uh, it's it, it's kind of put out by Dr. Stephen Greer. I don't know if you guys have heard oh, yeah. of him, but he's written. Oh, yeah. a, he's actually written a book called Unacknowledged, and uh, highly recommended. It's 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 a fascinating uh, look at UFOs and the UAP phenomena. Yeah, Doc, that doc- documentary will blow your hair back. Yeah, I, I was watching it, and it's it's not like. Oh, you know, Billy Bob and, you know, wherever saw a light in the sky. This is like government officials, yeah. documented cases. Well-known officials. Yeah. Well-known officials coming out saying they're, not only are UAPs and UFOs real, like there's you know, full-blown agendas. There's contracts from humans to aliens to barter and trade technology. I mean, it, it is... No, actually, I'm, I'm going to rewatch that. Time. I yeah. have seen oh, this. It, it, it's Dr. amazing. Dr. Stephen yeah. Greer. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy that also developed the he whole he CE5. Does. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was the same. Mo- if I remember right, that was the same movie where they talked about, there was a talk about bartering where there was an agreement on abductions. Like, we, yeah. will, we, we yeah. will agree. We won't interfere <laughs> with you taking a certain amount of our people. I think they even agree, like, go, take people who are out in the middle of nowhere you know these poor suckers who who live out in the middle of nowhere. Suckers who live out in the middle of nowhere with an S S U C K E R S with a Z because we cool <laughs> radical. <laughs> um, but like uh, there was an agreement. Like yeah, man, you know what? If you need to take you know hundred people a year, ah, what's a hundred people a year? And it's like whoa! In exchange for technology. Our government sold us out, <laughs> and these beings. We riot. Are, <laughs> no, no. These, riot. but these alien beings are so advanced; they're not just taking people from out in the middle of nowhere. They're taking people from New York City apartments. I mean, for, I mean, there's people Bold just brass. <laughs> yeah, like they don't care. Like no. they they can walk through walls. They can uh, well, like we've said, they can defy the laws of physics. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy stuff, man. So the lesson to be learned is: if you live in New York City and someone knocks on your door and they say Candy Graham. Maybe best not to open the door. No, it's a, it's the shark. It's the land shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you said they're going to re- release this report every year? Yeah, so- apparently it comes out every year. And there's also a portion of the report that talks about the threats that UAPs pose as a hazard to flight safety or possible uh, the adversary collection of, of threats. So huh. to, to date, they're been no reported collisions of u.s aircraft with uap nor have there been any uap encounters that have contributed directly to adverse health related effects i'm not sure i believe that after after watching unacknowledged Hmm. the the health part um not sure i believe that no but um yeah you know this and, and and also if if a plane crashed into a ufo 
would the government come out and say, oh, this is what happened in this case? You I don't think never, they would. You'll, no. you'll never know that. I just, you just wonder at one point, like, like what's the purpose ultimately of this? Like, like, like what are they trying to kind of get away with? Like you said, contracts, agreements. Like, it's just kind of like, okay, like, a hundred years from now, are we going to be like, oh yeah, there's ETs. They hang out with us. They live here. You know, I just, I, just, I, w- I wonder to what end this is. Well, and I wonder if they're, if we're letting them take, you know, take people to experiment on them in exchange for technology. Are we as a society mature enough and peaceful enough to do something good with alien technology, or would it be like handing a child a loaded gun? Well, and you, you watch that unacknowledged, and that's exactly one of the major points that comes out of that movie is that humans on the planet earth are more aggressive than, than the aliens coming to visit us. Right. Yeah, if there's anybody to be worried about, it's the humans. And, and quite frankly, I totally agree. <laughs> I think that's the big argument for like this, like there is th- this technology that is frankly indistinguishable from magic for us. And they, whatever this group of extraterrestrials are, are like, we're going to control this as tightly as we can because if you got a hold of it, it would be potentially catastrophic. Like, you're just not yeah. ready yeah. for this, you know? And, I mean, that that whole idea of what the Israeli um, former defense minister said, like, there's an, not only is there aliens, there's an entire federation of aliens and that they know about us and that they've been in contact with us this this, this whole time and that we've worked with them. It's like, okay, well, then... At some point, I don't know. I really want to be alive to see this. I don't. I don't know. I hope I am. How bad the roads were today, I might not make it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty slick. That will be an interesting commute on the way home. No, oh, you know, if that breaks during the the office day, I'll become a UAP. Just come right off an over ramp, uh, an, an overpass. Ah! <laughs> Unidentified flying Eddie. I think I'm going to go home and telework the rest of the afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thanks, Pat. That was a great one. It's time for pop, culture, and the paranormal. All right, guys. I had the pop culture segment today, and I got to think, and I put on my my thinking cap, my paranormal thinking cap. Ooh, what's it look like? Well, kind of like this. The only hat that I ever wear. <laughs> but, you know, there's so many different sections of pop culture. You know, you have music and movies. You have uh, trendy things in pop culture. But I got to thinking, what's what's one paranormal thing that most towns and cities have? And the answer is a haunted road. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Lover's Lane. Yeah. Usually it's associated with Lover's Lane or, or some sort of a spooky, you know, it's where the teenagers go to scare themselves. Exactly. Ghosts yeah. love makeout spots. They do. Ghosts need love, too. Yeah. So I pulled up here. I am on a uh, website called travelandleisure.com. Sounds relaxing, right? Uh, Well, it's not. It's scary. (laughs) (laughs) So we got uh, top 10. Let's see. Top 10 most haunted roads in the U.S. for supernatural sightings. Ooh. Now, uh, we didn't make the list, but here in Omaha, Nebraska, what what roads come to mind for you guys? I'm thinking down by... uh, the, the Seven Sisters, right? The Seven Sisters down yeah. near um, Nebraska City. Nebraska City. Yeah. yeah, that's one. I've driven that road a couple times. Pretty mm-hmm. spooky at night. Isn't there one over up by um, by Hummel Park? There's a road up there, too, isn't there? Yeah, that'd probably get my vote. Uh, Hummel Park, it's right real close to the Missouri River, almost practically on the Nebraska-Iowa border. Yeah. Uh, right down there, Hummel Park Road. Yeah. Uh, Haunted, a lot of funky energy, a lot of car accidents, a lot of trauma, a couple murders. You throw in the fact that the Moida. road is windy and twisty, and yeah, it's 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 pretty gnarly. And anyone who goes up to Hummel Park using Hummel Road, uh, the energy shifts big time. Yeah, it's really pretty, uh-huh. but at the same time, it's it's kind of a heavy feeling. So. Yeah. So we'll have to contact Travel and Leisure and say, hey, guys, put us on the list, right? Right. Well, coming in at number 10, you have the bloody... Uh, it's a tongue twister. Actually, no, that's number nine. First of all, we have Jeremy Swamp Road in Southbury, Connecticut. Hmm. <laughs> Jeremy Swamp Road. Jeremy, Jeremy Swamp. Swamp. <laughs> Is there a guy named Jeremy Swamp? <laughs> exactly. He's the cousin of uh, William Wetland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Article goes like this. There are eerie stories about roads across Connecticut, including Jeremy Swamp Road in Southbury. 
According to an urban legend, drivers installed vehicles on this road have vanished before their tow trucks arrive. And they often are attacked by the melon heads. Melon heads? Yep. Uh, this is reported per the New England Historical Society. According to them, the creatures look like small humanoids with oversized heads, and they survive by eating small animals, stray cats, and human flesh, usually Ooh. the flesh of teenagers. We're so cruel to people, to <laughs> things with big heads. We're like, look at this. <laughs> Melon heads. I'd be mad too. Is, uh, is there like a survey that. Especially teenagers, is that? Is Especially that, teenagers. How, how do they figure? That? You, you interview a not melon so much head. the older folks. It's always the teenagers that get eaten by the melon heads. Yeah, yeah. It's like you wanted that medium rare, you know, about yeah, 16, exactly. 16 to nineteen years old right. when it's you know yeah. at its peak tenderness. Yeah. I like it when their disrespectfulness is high, but their but their melancholy is really low. So I just like <laughs> to eat them. Then. They're super delicious. Oh gosh, so. Anyway, these humanoid cryptids are also the focus of folklore in Ohio and Michigan. And we've, we've heard this before. The yeah, I think that, we've talked about them before yeah. and mentioned it. From time I, to for time. one, think it's a little culturally insensitive to folks who have, what is that called, hydrocephaly? Well, yeah. The enlarged uh, heads. You know, yeah. Some people are just born with that condition. Yeah, I think it's hydroencephalitis or something there like you go. that, where they have like a, an enlarged head. Yeah. So, that's no joke. But yeah, they're like yeah, the disproportionate. <laughs> these poor, just some normal die guys. Like, what? <laughs> Look up <laughs> It's just some guy. It's just some guy named Jeremy who has a big head and can't fit a hat on his head. Like, he has to have like guys. a special hat. He's like, right. stop. <laughs> but haunted locations are not politically correct because here in the aforementioned Hummel Park, there's that legend of the cannibalistic albinos. Right. What is it with albinos? People <laughs> just like <laughs> when I moved alone. here. When I moved here, that was one of the first things. Yeah. When I, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I moved to Omaha, and they're like, careful around Hummel Park. Yeah, there's an albino colony there's there. An, <laughs> I was like, what? It was just me walking around with my shirt off. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was, I'm like, oh my pasty. <laughs> it was just me. I was eating beef jerky, and they thought it was another person. <laughs> I was eating beef jerky in the shape of a person. <laughs> I arrange it. Humanity. I arrange it like a human and then eat it. All right, next is... The tongue twister, Bloody Bride Bridge. Say that five times fast. Ooh. ooh. Uh, and Boy Scout Lane, and this is in seven point seven. Uh, st- excuse me, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. See, it is a tongue twister. Man. Uh, this Highway 66, uh, 66 bridge is known as Bloody Bride Bridge because according to the local legend, a bride was killed in an accident here on the way to her wedding, and she continues to haunt drivers who pass by at night. Mm. Uh, nearby Boy Scout Lane is another haunted spot in Stevens Point because a troop of Boy Scouts allegedly disappeared here. So thankfully, there's no proof that this actually happened, but the isolated dead-end road does, uh, does in fact, make for an eerie setting. There was a bride that went over the bridge to, on her way to the wedding, was in a car wreck, crashed, was killed. A bunch of Boy Scouts came to try to rescue her. They were also hit by a car, and they all died. Oh, my. So that's... I don't know, but oh. I'm just trying to figure it out. It is how rumors start, Pat. <laughs> I know, I believed him. I'm like, what? That's the worst. Of course that bridge is haunted. I'd haunt that bridge. Boy Scout Lane, that sounds pretty pretty proper, right? That's not. Yeah. That's like the opposite of Lover's Lane. Yeah. You can't go down that lane. They're trying to sell you popcorn, candy bars. You're like, stop! It's like, a fundraiser. All the, <laughs> just, just, just one after the other. You're just like running. Uh, trying to get hot and heavy with your girlfriend, and he sticks a Russell Stover's candy bar through the window. Exactly. That'll be $2. Like some popcorn? I want my $2. You're, all I got is $10. <laughs> so this next one, guys, I've been here, and this is a very, very small town. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, had I known... I would have checked this out, but this is in Appleton, Wisconsin. And if I'm saying this right, it's Owysa Street. So Riverside Cemetery, located on North Owysa Street in Appleton, Wisconsin, is known for paranormal experiences. Some claim to have seen ghosts of past mourners dressed in old-fashioned clothing here. And in the cemetery, visitors will find the tombstones of uh, Kate Blood and other supposedly haunted, uh, another haunted spot. Although many of the stories about her life and death are unfounded. Some say she was a witch who killed her husband and children with an axe, or maybe it was Kate who was murdered by her husband. Uh, Historians, however, have a completely different explanation altogether that she probably died of tuberculosis. That's less fun. (laughs) But her name was Kate Blood. Name was actually Kate Blood. Kate Blood. Second one from Wisconsin, too. You've got, uh, is it Dogman up in Wisconsin? Oh, yeah. 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 
Dogman and uh, the Bray Bray Road Beast. Beast of Bray Road. Beast, Beast of Bray yeah. Road. This Appleton. And now this is the second one in Wisconsin. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, this Appleton location, when I was there, granted this was like 15 years ago, I had no, I didn't, hadn't even heard of Dogman at that point in time, but that is right up in the thick of it. If you guys pull yeah. up the North American Dogman Project website, Appleton, Wisconsin is just spot, it's just dotted with all sorts of Dogman encounters. So. I have family living right up near there too. <laughs> there and it's, it's like far Northeast Wisconsin. I mean, it's, it's way up there, heavily wooded. So while you're up there looking for werewolves, stop and check out this haunted stretch of road, Owaisa. And if I'm mispronouncing that, please write our show. Route 66, Villa Ridge, Missouri. Missouri. Is it Missouri, Missouri or Missouri? Well, it depends on who you ask, right? <laughs> like people who live there are from there. Missouri. It's kind of like Appalachian or Appalachian, right? Depends where you're at. Appalachia. <laughs> I like that one. All right. A tri-county truck stop located off historic Route 66 in Villa Ridge, has been abandoned for years, but ghost hunters continue to visit in hopes of experiencing the paranormal. According to commercial truck trader, uh, visiting mediums have suggested that the truck stop is a portal to the other side of eternity, <laughs> where souls re-enter our world and attach their spirits to truckers who they might possess in order to drive themselves home. I can dig it. And right outside, there's a big statue of the Happy Chef. Ooh! <laughs> Love the Happy Chef. Not the big boy. Not the big boy, the heavy shit. Now we're going to Marshall, Texas. Yeehaw, Meemaw. Stagecoach Road. Oh. Sounds like it would be in Texas. Right. Yeah. right? Uh, several, urban legend, uh, several urban legends cite tragic events that have contributed to Stagecoach Road's haunted reputation. Its eerie setting and historic status only add to the mystique. The red dirt road lined with tall oaks served as the main thoroughfare for stagecoaches in the early to mid-1800s. Some say they've seen the spirit of a woman wandering this road, spooking passers-by, while others have reported seeing the spirits of small children. What is it about ghost kids? I mean, is that more or less scary for you guys if you see a ghost child compared to a ghost adult? Wow. I think the kid thing would be creepier. More tragic for me. More tragic, say. yeah. Right. I, I think there's a there's a bit of there's a larger air of sadness there where you're like, oh man, this kid didn't even get to grow they, up. Yeah, they didn't even get a chance. Yeah, I'm just scared. Period. Ghost, just in general, I'll be like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, an air of more sa- like heaviness to me in that in that sense. Yeah. Next, we have Route Six Six Six, New man, Mexico. <laughs> right there, you like you come yeah, up on that, that road, you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. turn around. That's got a bad feel to begin with. Uh, U.S. Route 491, formerly uh, Route 666, was known as the Devil's Highway because of its number and the relatively high fatality rate along the New Mexican stretch. Some drivers have reported being chased by hellhounds, supernatural dogs that represent death in some cultures, or seeing a ghostly semi-truck on fire, according to commercial truck trader. Ew. Man, put your, uh, put your radiator cool. fluid in there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's redlining those RPMs, right? <laughs> this truck is on fire. <laughs> but the hellhounds are interesting because, yeah, right up there in the New Mexico desert, you do have some sightings of dogman and werewolf-type creatures. Yeah, Sounds kind of like Ghost Rider, you know, Nicolas oh, yeah. Cage, you know, guy on fire driving a motorcycle around. I love it. you got a combination of, like, you know, Big Trouble in Little China, or, or any which way but loose, and Ghost Rider, just <laughs> flaming trucks. And speaking of uh, 666, uh, I'm taking my daughter Sky to New York. I'm taking her to New York City this summer. Oh, nice. Which is going to be great. We're going to see a Statue of Liberty, catch a Broadway play, all that good stuff. Yeah. But we're leaving on June 6th at 6 a.m. <gasps> 666. That's six, when our six, flight six. heads out. No. Yeah. If your flight is 666, you got to stop. You gotta, like, we're driving. Knock on wood. I'm sure there'll be like an hour delay, so you'll be into 667 by then. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> I, I'd welcome it. That's fine. <laughs> right? That's fine. Next, we're going to Las Vegas, Nevada. Ooh. Sand Hill Road. The tunnels underneath Sand Hill Road in Las Vegas are supposedly haunted with reports of eerie noises, although there isn't a ton of evidence to back up these claims. It's still worth a visit to find out for yourselves if you dare. See, every every city, big or small, it doesn't yep. matter. Every haunted town road. has a haunted road. Yeah. Yeah. You it's, know? Yeah. Then you have Rachel, Nevada. Uh, you guys probably uh, know where I'm yes, going with this, right? Yes. We're going to the Extraterrestrial Highway, a.k.a. Route 375. 
Uh, and this passes by Super Secret Area 51. So UFO seekers drive along this road hoping to spot something out of this world. Uh, drivers should keep their eyes on the road while passers uh, while passengers look towards the sky to watch for any mysterious lights or aircrafts. And it's also uh, on this extraterrestrial highway uh, right there in Rachel, Nevada. They have the little uh, restaurant called the Little Alien. The Alien, yeah. Yeah. They really like uh, hyphenated that too, like the little A L E N, mm -hmm. and then yeah, it, it is a dive-looking place. Yeah, we it, have to go there. But it is one of the like, like you said, the holy grail of paranormal enthusiast places to visit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's on our list. It's got to be, <laughs> and it's way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, so there you go. Catch the uh, Route Six Sixty Six through New Mexico and end up in uh, Rachel, Nevada. Bada bing, bada boom. Next, we're going to Montecito, California, to the Ortega Ridge Road. It says, keep an eye out for the ghost of three nuns, Whoa. known as Las Tres Hermanas, who were killed by highway bandits on Ortega Ridge Road. Some say that their apparitions can be spotted by the side of this road, according to commercial truck trader. Mm. Well, leave the nuns alone. Who would, who would murder yeah. three nuns? Highway bandits killing nuns. It's not cool, man. Ain't got nothing better to do. Oh, nothing, nothing better. Nothing better to do. You'd be like, how many, how many ghosts do you see? I see none, none <laughs> ghosts. What? <laughs> so zero? No, none. Uh, last, we have Prospectors Road in Garden Valley, California. Ooh, like a good prospector. <laughs> You're gonna break out the prospector voice, aren't you? <laughs> nah. <laughs> California is dotted with historic ghost towns, so it makes sense that a few Gold Rush era spirits would stick around. According to local legend, this road in Garden Valley is haunted by a miner killed for his gold. He's under twenty-one. I'm sure there were. <laughs> I'm sure, there are quite a few of those miners killed for their gold. Oh man, <laughs> you got some poor prospector hanging out. I just kid. I'm gonna do it. He's like, oh man, look at me. I found me some gold. I love it. Mm, man, it was worth it. Lost my wife, lost my kids, but hey, I found gold. Some guy rolls up on him. Oh man, <laughs> leave the poor prospectors alone. They're just sitting there, just killing themselves to find little flecks of gold and some dirt. That had to be a tough lifestyle. Oh, dude. I mean, you know, you think the the gold rush out in California and parts of Alaska, I mean, everybody was out there. You had, you know, a line uh, to get up the mountain pass. You're like shoulder to shoulder with other people. Like there was thousands of people all trying to get the same thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know. I think I read like a U.S. like census thing where they were like saying like so many of the people who live in like California, like natives now, who were like their ancestors were people who moved there for the gold rush and didn't make it but we're like well i'm here yeah. <laughs> guess i'll work <laughs> get an office job <laughs> slowly dies <laughs> but yeah like a lot of that was driving people to move out there and eventually stay you know well and it kind of makes sense that roads would be a little spooky you know because a lot happens during travel you know it has the potential for uh, to encounter dangerous people you have you know the unexpected weather changes yeah, uh, you have vehicles breaking down, you know. So just a lot, a lot of history happens on roads of, of all kinds, and as we know, when any event happens, you know, emotionally it kind of stamps an imprint on that particular location and ups the chances of it being haunted. So, yeah, that emotional like drama and trauma and all those things. It's like, and even still, like you said, just the act of traveling alone. Sometimes you're traveling for good reasons, and sometimes you're traveling for bad ones, and. Mm -hmm. All that can kind of cook into that pavement, you know, just sit there. Well, that's wait, what I got wait, for you guys yeah. for uh, for the pop culture for this segment. So there you go. All right. Thanks, Andy. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm particularly excited about this string of, uh, like, my segments because like i said i'm dipping into places i've lived and so one of those places was well is because it's, it's not gone i don't it's live there anymore still there it's still there um uh, virginia i've been to virginia have you now i have it's for lovers dc you know. area yeah yeah, Virginia, it's so funny, because even as a kid, I'm like, is Washington in Virginia? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's its own thing, but it's in Virginia, literally. Like, that's where it's at. And it's in Maryland, or... And or Mar is, it, is it Maryland? I don't know. Is it Maryland south of Virginia. I guess... Right? It's not far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Doesn't D.C. kind of cover 
couple different states, like some of the suburbs. Maybe there's like Virginia and there, uh, I don't know maybe geography with paranormal. It, it's geography is hard for we, me. We don't know. Uh, it was the whole city was designed by Masons though. Ooh, Ooh. well, there you go. Secrets. Um, but I lived in Virginia, and this may not be Virginia itself, but it is West Virginia, and um, even John Denver sung a song about it. Yeah, Mountain Mama. <laughs> and so. This is one I can't believe we've not discussed this particular this particular event. Uh, it is on the radar for UFO, and I wouldn't even say cryptid. I mean, it made it to your shirt, the the, uh, the cryptid shirt, right? But uh, in my opinion, it's a UFO type encounter. This is the Flatwoods Monster. Ooh, woohoo! Uh, made it onto uh, Ancient Aliens as a discussion topic. Uh, made it onto Project Blue Book. Uh, as an actual episode, okay, um, and we made it onto like an additional like commentary type show to talk about the Flatwoods monster, and so I'll set the stage and then we'll talk about it. Here it is, Flatwoods, West Virginia, September twelfth, nineteen fifty-two. Edward and Fred May with their friend Tommy uh, Hi- Hire. We're out playing in the outside. This is the classic 50s. You know, it's dusk. They're out there just throwing footballs and playing games and doing all sorts of things. And they see through shooting through the sky a flaming type like object. Okay. Yeah. And they think it's like a meteor, like, a, you know, coming in. And they see it not only shoot through the sky, but land in a neighboring farmer's field. So these three boys lose their minds, and they run home. This is the beginning of Paranormal Dad. Right, guys. <laughs> That's what we would do. I know. Like, Let's go. And they run to their mother, Kathleen May's house, to tell her about what they saw. They went to investigate. The mom went with them. So mom, her two boys, and their friend all go, and they go up to a hill overlooking this farmer's field. Uh, they were on top of the hill, and they noticed that the, the, the treetops had been like snapped, and they were like singed. They were like like literally smoking from this object. Whoa! And then they noticed also a particular smell, and we'll get into the smell in a second here. But um, so on top of the hill, they had a flashlight, and the sun had had at that point gone down, and they noticed a red pulsing light off in the distance. Not too far, but they were you know far enough that they, they could shine a flashlight toward it. They shone a flashlight towards the, uh, the blinking light, and they see, and I wrote this down, in that moment, they saw a very tall man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a pointed hood-looking thing. It had eye-like, sha- eye-like shapes. That's how my eyes have been described, by the way. <laughs> eye-like shapes. Eye-like shapes. <laughs> they resemble eyes. <laughs> you know, if you Your were to make an eye. eyes kind of look like eyes. <laughs> if you were to have an eye, that's where it would probably be. Um, and these eyes emitted a green-orange light. The overall creature was dark green, very tall. They said 10 or more feet tall. Uh, had a weird smell around it. And it was emitting a strange sound. And this creature, uh, they, they saw it, shone the light, and then it was gone. So they Just up and disappeared. Up and disappeared. So they reported it to the Air Force. Uh, they did show up. And then this is where Project Blue Book, uh, the man who was leading that, actually came to this place. J. Allen Hynek. To investigate. J. Allen Hynek's son was giving a recount of his dad retelling him this story about this whole Flatwoods monster. And so um, the the official report claims that the smell was swamp gas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That the creature was an owl that they saw. Yeah. Ten-foot-tall yeah. owl, huh? Yeah. yeah. That it was in the trees, and that's what they saw. Mm-hmm. And, and that, um, and that it, it was a meteor. That's what they saw land. Here's where it gets funny. The eye reports and the farmer whose field it was reported there was no meteor from the impact. There was a there was a there was an impact like like a a spot you could see. This this is where this thing hit. Whatever was there was taken away, gone. So no evidence of anything. Like, well, meteors sometimes vaporize on impact. Mm. Anyway, so nothing there. The trees were snapped and burning from that. Um, they thought that was the smell. It was kind of a swampy area, so the burning trees with the swampy smell. And they said, with that creature, oh, and the creature had a weird mist around it, too, like a weird kind of a ephemeral kind of mist. Um, 
people who have talked about this, and this is what I like about it, they come about it logically. They're like, these are West Virginians living in West Virginia. They are not in an area they're not familiar with. They're not in some strange ge- geography that they're not accustomed to. They certainly know what an owl looks like. Right. Yeah. You know, and then they were the way they described the the scale of this thing. They're like an owl, even seen at a distance. They're big birds. I mean, they're they're, they're not small birds, but they're certainly not big enough to look like a ten foot tall man or a thing. And that even even an owl, you shine a light at, at them. Their eyes are not, and they they show. If you look at the sketch, oh, the cool part was. When they when they reported this, the Air Force uh, separated the family and had them all draw what they saw independently. And they drew something very similar. They drew almost the exact same thing. Okay, and it almost has like a triangular shaped body. They described they, they described it as wearing a metal skirt, like it looked metallic. See, this is an odd one. It does not fit in the typical category of no. when people see little uh, three foot tall gray aliens no. with the big almond eyes. This is completely different. It almost like uh, people have said it sounds like a, it might be a robot, like some sort of like you know, android not android but some sort of like you know machine. Um, but uh, they described it as having like a metal skirt, like like a you know that, and then this hood that comes up behind the head, like almost like a diamond shape, mm. uh, point at a like and a tip, and then a round face and big eyes. They said the eyes. When they showed the scale, the eyes would be so big and so far apart that, and, and looking at an owl, like it's the, they they don't equate. The scale doesn't work out. No. And so they were like West Virginians living in West Virginia, knowing what an owl looks like, shining a light, seeing that, and these are two very different things. And so again, rushing to debunk versus trying to break down what it is you're seeing. And. Okay, so the the military or the authorities arrive and they haul off whatever object put the put the crater in the ground or the the dent in the ground. Why would they do that if it was just a meteor? Right. Why would you haul off a meteorite? Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and no one saw saw this, you know. But by the time the authorities got out there and everything, I think you know the story was that the the family saw this, had the experience, went home, reported it, and then you know they came out within a day of that report, so had plenty of time. You know, and then again, we're back at like if they were tracking this thing already, they already knew where it was going to land and all this stuff. So, um, a fascinating story. Not a lot. There was no repeat views. They were literally the only eyewitnesses to this thing. Okay, and uh, no other corroborating witnesses. Uh, but a crazy story that, for the most part, people attribute to like. Uh, public hysteria from Sputnik and all these things and the idea of aliens and all these things. It, it, it kind of ties to that, like, back to the future thing where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's a right. pick down, you alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, wasn't it, uh, didn't he say he was Darth Vader? And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I'm uh, Darth Vader from the planet back Vulcan. Back to the future. Yeah, um, yeah planet Vulcan. And, uh, and yeah, and then later on, it was discussed, I think it was uh, Heineck, who went on to say, yeah, you know, that had a lot of, uh, basically, he did, didn't he admit his whole job was to debunk, no matter or what not debunk, but come up with reasons, or, yeah, explanations, yeah. explanations, yeah, explain debunk away things, things away. Yeah. yeah, so he was like, this was one in particular that was particularly hard to... Yeah basically come up with rational things because the family had no history of sensational storytelling and, and all this stuff and never made any money off of it and, and all this. The, the sketches are what get me the most. Uh, also, the creature, they, they described it as having very long, like spindly arms. Yeah, with like weird fingers. This, this does sound like a very visual sighting. You know, I'm thinking about this run of comic books I have called uh, UFOs and Flying Saucers that came out in, like in the late 60s. Are those the gold, key, the gold key yeah, ones? The gold key oh, ones. I love those. I, I'd be willing to bet the story is in one of those. I'll it has have to, to be. dig it up. Yeah. It has to be, yeah. September 12th, which I thought was an interesting date, uh, in 1952. And so super early into this whole UFO phenomenon. When was Roswell again? 1940? 47, I yeah. believe. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, but 52, I believe, was a big year. There was a... a I, I think it's 52. We can fact check that. But I think it was a year, a major UFO flap up in the Washington, D.C. area. Yeah. So this is right kind of up there near that wheelhouse. Yep. So maybe this was the first of a whole fleet of these things arriving. The thing I always struggle with 
going back to Roswell, going back to any other well-known UFO crash, and I'm not discrediting or, or, or debunking, you know, this encounter, but my question is, like, if, if an alien craft is advanced enough to travel through, you know, multiple star systems, dodging asteroids, uh, like, why would they get all the way here and then crash? Wouldn't they have the technology to land safely? <laughs> right. You know, that's what gets me. Unless we shot it down. Unless we shot them down. That's oh. exactly what I was just thinking. And maybe, you know, maybe. <laughs> unless we shot at it. Maybe that if it was a robot, maybe it malfunctioned. Who knows? It ran out of battery, ran yeah. out of juice. Yeah. I mean, and you think st- statistically, let's get statistics on this, right? Like, so cars are a dangerous way to travel because there's so many of them. And so, and, and we're all human and fallible. And it's like, if we see all these UFOs and we've only had like, what? 10 crashes it's like how many more ufos aren't crashing you yeah, know that's a good point thousands and thousands and thousands you know and so i think yes just pure uh, statistics you're going to have one or two of them crash yeah that's a good point just uh, like operator you, error or whatever see a car accident on the interstate well how many tens of thousands of other cars did not get in an accident that day exactly right? you just do the numbers and you're yeah. like okay well if you had uh, you know ten thousand ufos come you're going to have 10 of them crash right. you know through all sorts of stuff probably and not 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 us shooting at them. <laughs> if only they yeah. had Han Solo flying that Millennium Falcon, huh? Yeah. The Kessel run, what, two parsecs? Twelve, 12, 12 parsecs. parsecs. <laughs> which is a unit of distance, not... No, the time. Not, anyway. Um, and so uh, these people's uh, stories never changed. Uh, they never really made money off of it. People, you know, West Virginia town be like, oh, darn, tell us that story you saw about that triangle man in the woods. He's like, man, leave me alone. <laughs> it was, oh, you know it. <laughs> no, I know what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, if they had long spindly arms, again, rules out. It probably wasn't an owl in a tree if they saw this thing had, you know, arms and legs. Right? So so many people tried to like, uh, like you know, oh, well, long spindly arms, probably a tree limb that you saw that you got all, you know, your, your senses are all heightened and all right. this stuff. And it's like, that does happen. You, you can't say that it doesn't happen, but you got, you know, four people who were, who drew it independently of each other, who all saw that. And even a mom, like an adult human was there with the three kids you know, think about how many times, like, even we're together, like, what was that? Oh, it was just that. Like, one of us is like, oh, yeah, that was that one thing. And then, like, you're like, oh, yeah, you're right, you know. And I think when you're dealing with your own backyard or near enough to your own backyard, you know more or less what you're looking at. And so, yeah, it's a fascinating story. Like, um, I did think it set the stage for all sorts of things later on, like just the retelling of, you know, you know inspiration for storytelling. Um, but just fascinating. I love it. Yeah, almost a little War of the Worlds esque. Although that took place long before this yeah. happened, you know, yeah. War of the Worlds was what the thirties, forties, something like I that. I think it was the early forties, something like that. I look that so. up. But yeah, it, it, it the, and that's the counter is like people are you know you know do, you know kind of leaning towards this, the uh, the skeptic side of things, is saying this is um, public hysteria. This is people who are already like the 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 pump is primed and they're waiting to kind of like point out to something and say, you know, oh, you know, like that movie we done saw, you know, like that comic book I read. And, uh, and yeah, so it's easy to do that. But yeah, this story is like one of the earlier ones of as far as UFO sightings goes. And I like the fact that in a way it doesn't build on itself. It doesn't become more uh, sensational. And then it went into town and killed people. And yeah. still, you know, it just vanished. It was yeah. like they saw it and then it went away and that was it. They that didn't was try a, to, there wasn't any repeat sightings or no. Um, no, nothing like that at all. But the fact that it disappeared almost makes you think it wasn't a robot or a drone, because if it's made of nuts and bolts, how could it disappear? Unless you're dealing with like some sort of ability to like cloak, hide I, itself. I suppose. You know, we're getting into those kinds of higher technology kind of things. But yeah. but this it strikes me as like similar when you think of stories, even like uh, you go to like Skinwalker Ranch and they describe what they visually describe sounds crazy. You know, I saw what looked like a giant werewolf, you know, or one guy saw, like he said, like a, like a metal triangle just moving through the area, like just hovering, like, like, like a, like a vertical, like eight foot triangle, just floating around Skinwalker Ranch. Vertical, not even flying aerodynamically. No, no like, <laughs> like a, like a literal, like metal triangle standing on the, on the bottom of itself, just kind of floating around. It's like some of this stuff doesn't have to make 
sense necessarily, but it's like there is a consistent like report of like just odd things that are there and then not there. Um, yeah, Flatwoods Monster uh, for sure. But yeah, I just I just love the visual. It's it's very like Spielbergian, you know. Right. It's like these kids are playing in the woods, and there is a lot of cinema, like a cinematic quality to this. But I just the story is really cool. Short, but it's very cool. Oh, great. Well, thanks, Eddie. Hey, listen. <laughs> they can't all be long ones. <laughs> well, and you're kind of on this kick of all the, uh, you know, monsters and, and things that you're going to talk about in upcoming episodes are from places where you've lived before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like so, hometown legend of Eddie's past. Exactly. I was like, if my if my feet have walked around this area, or if I called it home, I want to look into those like those regional creatures. So, so West Virginia, a little bit of a, you know, still in Virginia-ish, that area. Uh, fascinating fascinating story and i just love it well thanks for listening everybody Uh, feel free to send us your stories in fact uh we'd love it if you would send us your personal stories ufo stories ghost stories not only will we read it on the show we'll give you a a shout out so uh you can find us at uh, paranormaldads at gmail.com we're also on social media you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and yeah so reach out we're we're very uh we like to connect with our with our listeners and uh Gosh, what else, guys? We're on the YouTubes. We're on the YouTubes. We're on Spotify, uh, all your podcast uh, apps, all that fun stuff. You can catch us on those. Um, Stay tuned. I will be announcing a winner on our uh, Instagram and Facebook uh, Name the Creepy Doll contest. (laughs) Uh, I found a doll. I was out, uh, like, um, what's the word, Uh, thrifting with my uh, girlfriend, Jill, and we went to one thrift store, and I found this doll that was amazing. He looked like so creepy. I was like, this doll <laughs> would never have to do anything, and I would, I, and I would blame him for everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I went bankrupt. Look over at the doll. It's your fault, dog. <laughs> um, so I will be choosing a name that I love. I said, name this creepy doll, and that winner will be receiving uh, stickers, a, a cavalcade of new stickers, uh, for paranormal dads, we'll, we'll we'll mail them to you here. All right, Andy, Eddie, thank you very much. You guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time on Paranormal Dads. <laughs>